Time's Ours is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Do you know that Chiefs ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I've got Game Time on my phone, and I've used it to check out tickets around me, not just sporting events, but concerts and all sorts of other stuff as well. Plus, you can go in and see the view from your seat, no matter where it is in the arena. So check out Game Time right now. Head to the App Store or Google Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Well, that was terrible. I mean, that was just absolutely awful. That's not how that was supposed to go at all. We talked about this game for like all of 10 minutes, and I think I'm pretty sure that I said that the Chiefs would have won that football game with uh, with any number of Shermers at quarterback, much less Matt Moore or Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I I was really wrong. I, I feel like everybody was really wrong. What the hell happened, you guys? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, where do you even start? I mean, I know we got to start somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. What was that? W- what was Seth, it? Seth, what was that? Um, but Well, let's start with this. Not that I really care about win probability stats a ton. I But guess. it went oh. off the Richter scale, y'all. Like, it went yeah. from Chiefs, like, put it down. Like, put it in the column, fellas. Put it in the W. Mm-hmm. To, like, mm-hmm. wow, that is the deepest roller coaster drop of all time um i think espn said that it was like a a 0.4 chance of them losing and then they lost so hey how about that yeah fun the stats seth how fun was that was that fun i just i don't know i don't understand i don't i I try to I, I try to break down football into smaller, more understandable parts. And sometimes all those smaller, understandable parts add up to like a bunch of improbable events happening. Eventually, don't you hit impossible? Like if enough improbable things happen, like I, I'm I'm frustrated beyond belief. And then th- yeah, as you can see, I'm shook. I'm like shook. I got nothing because normally what I like to do is I try to like break down to people, okay, here's what really happened. But this is like one of those games where it's like the number of things that had to go wrong mm-hmm. and not just to, like obviously the final like five minutes were like, what on earth? Mm-hmm. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Like a botched snap and a block kick – when was the last time you saw one of those in an NFL game? When was that? But two? Mm-hmm. Two? Yep. Mm-hmm. In the final two minutes of a game? Yep. Both of them in the final two minutes? What? Yep. Like, I just, like, it, like, I've never seen that. But here's the funny thing. None of that would have mattered if, like, Frank Clark doesn't drop an easy interception. Well, mm-hmm. not easy, but pretty, an NFL caliber mean, interception. An NFL caliber. And I feel bad because Clark played better and he's been kind of a punching bag this year. But, I mean, I'm sure he's beating up on himself too. Because if he catches that, mm-hmm. we're fine. Mm-hmm. If 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 Juan Thornhill makes one tackle in space mm-hmm. and not even – like he didn't even have to tackle Derrick Henry on that long touchdown. Just slow him down. Right. Mm-hmm. Do anything but what you did. Mm-hmm. Anything. Anything. Mm-hmm. Even that thing where like you, you hit him high and kind of wrap around him and get dragged for 10 yards and everyone makes fun of you. That would have been better because mm-hmm. other guys could have caught up. I presume Derrick Henry can't run fast enough to outrun the defense with Juan Thornhill draped around his hips. I mean, maybe he maybe. can. I don't, I don't know. know. Ask the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. That- <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, and I'm just listing a few of the things. I could literally talk for the next 45 minutes about the the little things that happen mm-hmm. that it's just like cuz even like Mahomes wasn't immune early in the game he missed Hill on a deep bomb yeah. and then the next play Watkins dropped a pass it's like Watkins were you like surprised he threw the ball to you it was too like, perfect that's he what was it so perfect like. oh i sorry i just i had no idea that ball could land in well, my yeah, arms he, like that down the sideline he like whips his arms up at the last second it's like yeah those are called hands sammy mm-hmm. like you're supposed to use them like you're going to catch it with your face 
Also, I just, just realized that we were talking about two different, like, egregious Sammy Watkins drops right there. Because there oh, were two yeah, of them. Yeah, I know. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, because you're talking about the one later in the game Down where the it just dropped line. perfectly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Patrick Mahomes. That was just, the one that. Like, Mr. Fantastic <laughs> took the ball and then just stretched his arm 30 yards downfield and sat it in Sammy Watkins' arms. And he's like, oh, God. Oh, the ball's right yeah, here. Tony, what happened? Tony Romo's, Tony Romo's commentary, and that was what he's like. He's like, that throw has to be perfect. Well, and of course it is perfect. Will. Will. <laughs> and he did put it right in his hands. Yeah. And it's just like, he's like praising the coverage. And that's what I like about Romo. If he's watching the replay and he realizes his commentary is sort of wrong, he's he'll wrong. just. Yeah. Yeah, he'll just be like, oh, wait, that throw was perfect. I mean, what I think I've named, what, six plays already? Yeah. And these are, like, massive. Or just, like, tackle Ryan Tannehill in the open field. You know what, Nate? Will you talk about that? Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to come back around to that because I very much would like to hear, I'd like to be reminded of the things that Frank Clark said about Ryan Tannehill. I was, this is our very long introduction, though, if you haven't picked up at this point. Uh, this is Time's Ours, right here on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe. The first voice you heard was Nate Taylor. The Minnesotan uh, voice you heard after that is Seth Kaiser. We're all a little confused. Actually, I would say we're all a lot confused and yeah. maybe a little sad because this wasn't supposed to happen. And, like, listen, you can look around the rest of the NFL right now, and I'm not even sure if the Chiefs had the most uh, shocking – and I don't think the Chiefs had the most shocking <laughs> upset yesterday. Like, the Saints got curb stomped by one of the worst teams we've seen all season at home. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. In the Superdome. In the Superdome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. You know, we'll go ahead and drop this one by 27 to a Falcons defense that hasn't covered anybody all year. Like, that's, all year. that's the NFL, but that's also – I mean, the Chiefs are just in that giant hive mind that is just good NFL teams, I guess. I don't know. But so I want to talk about the Ryan Tannehill-specific thing where Patrick Mahomes, I guess, just, like, transported himself into Ryan Tannehill's body for the last five minutes of that football game, and I just, like, I will never stop staring at the ceiling wondering what on earth was happening there. Um, but Nate, take us, take us into the locker room here. Cause that this is, this is the piece that's up by you right now on the athletic looking into what was happening in Nashville, the mood of the room and what everyone was saying and, and how things fell apart in this game. Yeah. Um, thanks for the, thanks for the, uh, tee up. I, I think in a lot of ways it was the exact opposite of Detroit where it's like yeah. hey uh what should i write about it's like oh, just a you know just a last minute drive to win the game like it's easy like it's pretty much like cut and dry um you know now try to you know explain everything as best you can whereas yesterday a lot of it was what in god's name just happened yeah. um okay well uh, uh well they i mean and then you start going through the scenario so you have the ball with less than two minutes left, with a five-point lead, you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid as your coach and quarterback, and you don't get a first down. And then, like you mentioned before, all the calamity on special teams, and then Ryan Tannehill all of a sudden becomes like un- un- untackleable, mm-hmm. um, just an unstoppable force. So let me explain it in this way. There are four corners of a locker room, obviously, much like any room. Mm-hmm. In one corner, there's James Winchester, Dustin Colquitt, and Harrison Bucker, who are talking amongst themselves, like, very quietly. And basically, it is then determined that James Winchester needs to needs to take it for the entire, you know, sort of unit. Um, and he says it very quietly. And as I wrote in, in the story that you can check out in The Athletic, I mean, when he's talking to us, he can see, because he's in the corner of the, of the locker room, he can see everybody else, all of the other 50 guys on the team um, who, you know, do a lot more than him on a, on a usual Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so in one corner, you have the long snapper who's like, you know, giving up his soul and saying, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I basically, you, you know, I effed up. And, you know, I let a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys work their ass off this game. And I, you know, I messed up. In another corner, you have Frank Clark, who is basically saying, if we continue to give up 125 yards, we don't deserve to win any game. Like, it doesn't matter what Patrick Mahomes does. It doesn't matter what injury I have. It's like, we knew they were going to give the ball to Derrick Henry. We did a, and he does make this point, like, we did a good job in the first half. Like, 
actually, if you look at the first half statistics, the Chiefs were great on defense, mm-hmm. all things considered. They had only given up seven points. The other touchdown was because of a fumble from Damian Williams. We can get to that later. Mm-hmm. But he's sort of explaining, like, we knew what they were going to do because all they have is Ryan Tannehill, and we can't we can't stop Derrick Henry. All of a sudden, like, we, we just can't. So he's, like, so he's saying, like, we don't deserve to win the game. Like, no matter even what happened prior to the to the final two minutes, like, we got ran over by a dude that we knew that was their only good player on offense or their only above-average player. So he's saying we need, you know, we deserve to lose. And another corner, you've got Mitchell Schwartz defending Andy Reid for his call mm-hmm. on third and two, which mm-hmm. we will get to that later, and which I have – I have some I have some thoughts on that because I I understand what Mitch is saying. Like yes, Andy Reid is creative, and he's trying to outthink the defense. Damian Williams got eight yards, y'all, on two plays. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when the Titans knew they were running the football. Mm-hmm. But like as an offensive lineman, he's like, this is the one situation we want every game. The ball's in our hands. We're the offensive line. We're gonna move the defensive lineman. We're gonna get a first down. We're gonna end the game. Obviously, that didn't happen. And then in the final corner is Damian Williams, who's out here, you know, who, who, and now I'm speculating. This is completely speculation, uh, trying to think what he's possibly going through mentally. But because he fumbled the football, which led to the touchdown, which really changed the entire complexion of the game, he was, he was, he was hell bent on running the football those last three plays. And getting a first down and sort of proving to Andy Reid and to his teammates that, like, yep, I messed up, but, like, I got y'all. Like, like put the ball in my hands. We will get a first down. We'll end this nonsense. And Andy Reid didn't give him a chance on third and two. And if you're any running back, that has got to be very disheartening. And so he he cried before, we, before uh, the reporters got in the locker room. And he continued to shed tears. And he was the last, as a reporter, he was the last guy to take off his uniform. I've never seen Damian Williams like that before. But again, in a game you have to win to keep, you know, real real thoughts of being a top seed in the playoffs alive. You got to get 2 yards. And if you're a running back, your 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 assumption I believe is I can get those 2 yards, coach. And even if Patrick Mahomes is the MVP, like coach, I can get those 2 yards. And for whatever reason, they did not go to him at the game's most critical point on offense, and it cost them. So, if you look at the, you know, as I tried to understand and digest a lot of what was happening on the field and in the locker room, there's so much going on after an NFL game that I that I really hope our listeners and readers understand that it is chaotic, it is maddening, and at the same time, every guy is processing a difficult loss differently, and they're all kind of reaching the same points, or they're intertwining each other's thoughts, but it is fascinating to be there and to sort of see how it plays out, because, I mean... James Winchester thinks he lost the game for everybody. Um, Frank Clark blames the entire defense. You know, Mitchell Schwartz wants to keep the coach from being killed publicly. And Damian Williams is just beside himself because he can't get the ball when he's supposed to get the ball. Um, so that that's how it was in the locker room. And again, we tried to ask the right questions and explain what the hell happened, which is very hard to do sometimes when you get a game like this. I think you're right. Uh, when you talk about the chaos in the locker room, I didn't even realize until you know last year going there with you a few times just how crazy it is after a game. And obviously those were after wins. And so, I mean, the entire attitude in the locker room, I'm sure, is quite different because it's, you know, it's boisterous and it's just crazy after a win. Mm-hmm. But it is chaos in there. And there's just too many things going on in too many places because you've got reporters everywhere, naked dudes running around. It, it's just a weird, weird dynamic to everything guys in suits <laughs> interviewing guys that are half naked it's weird it is, it um, is weird. it's super strange. yeah and so i i just it is interesting the dynamic that you're seeing though from some you know some players are angry everyone processes differently and you can understand why after a loss like that where there's just so many things that went wrong that had to go wrong it, it, it just i mean in a way it reminds me of like the colts game only weirder yeah. Like, it just so many weird things. And especially when you feel like, I, I'm assuming when you feel like, look, we've got this in the bag. And then you somehow lose for so many reasons. Coaching, players, basically, really no one emerges from that game unscathed besides really Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I was like, well, there's one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> this and, one and guy he, who was who was yeah. freaking spectacular yeah. on half he, a knee. Yeah, and he and you know he missed Hill on a deep ball, but come he on, did. yeah, that, that, come that on, that would right, that would have been seventeen nothing, and I think the Titans may have said, "All right, pack it in." Yeah. yeah, and that's but you know then the very next play though he hits Watkins, and that might have been seventeen nothing because he had a lot of space in front of him, mm-hmm. um, and I just. Yeah, and I can see, and for them, you know, I think one of the things that they're probably trying to process is, you know, kind of what you mentioned is, you know, realistic shot at a top seed. I mean, the Ravens won again. Now, look, I'm just going to be straight with you. The Ravens, I think they're a good team, but the Chiefs handled them. They handled them, and them whooping on Cincinnati, who suck. <laughs> they, I, you know, you want to know something that that I get, I got, I get ticked off about every week lately. I'd love the to. Chiefs, quote unquote, easy games are against a a borderline 500 team that's been two and one since they switched quarterbacks. Yeah. And Tannehill's mm-hmm. not bad, like we talked about on on Friday. He's just he is. I said they're an average team. They're very average. You know what? That's yeah. their easy games are against average teams. Whereas other guys are out here playing Cincinnati and Miami and the Jets and the Giants and the Redskins and all these teams that just absolutely suck. And the Chiefs play the Titans. It's like, man, can't they just play the Dolphins? Because or you know whatever. I want to watch them yeah. hang fifty on someone. Can't they play the Bengals? The Bengals are terrible. And so I know it's stupid and petty of me. Like, oh, it's too hard. But dang, their schedule's tough. Even their gimme games are against teams that are actually okay. And that was frustrating for me, which in the grand scheme of the AFC, because that's going to keep up for the most part. They they really, they don't have much of a shot at a one seed or a two seed at this point. Even if they run the table, it's still going to be tough. And so, I mean, like, obviously the Chiefs, handled the Ravens. I was looking at the Ravens just like ESPN homepage thing and there's a thing, a clip from Dan Orlovsky, who I tend to really, really like. But it says the Ravens offense is indefensible. Ah, I mean the Chiefs the yeah. Chiefs defended it for three quarters and then and then random this happened. Then also the Browns did it next week. So I don't know, dude. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's been indefensible by the Bengals and um I mean I guess the Patriots also, which is something. But yeah, I mean the the one seed two seed conversation I don't know if it's an if it's it's certainly not a mathematical impossibility. It seems like a practical improbability, but that at the very least that's a back burner conversation that we can have again in three weeks if they win their next three games or whatever. But mm-hmm. in the in the interim, specifically for for what happened against the Titans, you know, kind of finding out where the we think the Chiefs stand at this point. Nate gave us all of the corners of the locker room and. Also, by the way, like I've rewatched the botched snap. Dustin Colquitt oh. definitely looked at Winchester and then looked back yes. at Butker again. I yes. don't. I'm not a hundred percent here for James Winchester bleeped up and everything else went fine. It it seemed like the idea that he got pump faked by Colquitt that seems plausible. But also, yeah. I don't like. I don't know. That's not my. I'm yeah, not in it's, their special teams it, unit. Right. And, and and well, just to answer that, like basically, like I told you, the, like the three of those guys. Uh, Butker, Winchester, Colquitt, they all kind of talked before they before any of them spoke to reporters. And so it was basically determined that I guess they, they were sort of going over the situation yeah. and they came to the conclusion themselves that it was more on James Winchester than Dustin Colquitt. But I agree, Josh, that if you watch that replay, it's hard to tell, like, well, what's who's really at blame here? Because. Obviously, you need eye communication. Obviously, there's sort of a silent snap count. And, of course, like, the snap count never changed during the game, which is also an issue. Yeah, that, I hadn't really thought about that until until What's-His-Name said that that was a reason that it was he was able to block the last mm-hmm. kick. That, yeah. Well, I, I want to – we'll let Seth go into the special teams thing in a second because that sucks. But, yeah, but basically but, the, the three of the guys – I guess decided in their sort of review of it. And they, I don't know how much tape or how much of the replay they had watched between the end of the game. And then obviously when the reporters are sort of allowed to go in 10 to 15 minutes later, but they just determined that it was mostly on Winchester because I guess the ultimate rule is the, the, you know, there can't be any level of confusion between the, the long snapper, like the long, you know, he, he mentioned it. Like everything starts with me as a long snapper is what James Winchester said. So if there's any confusion, just hold on to the ball Unless it's like you know two seconds on the on the on the on the um, on the play clock, and then maybe you're sort of forced to snap the ball. But up until that point, you need to trust that 
you need to wait for the holder to basically give you the signal. So that's what they that's the conclusion they that's came it. to. Seth, again, well, I, I want to dive into the special teams things that you saw revisiting all of that last night. But you can go grand scheme on this if you'd like. Like, there's there's been a lot of yelling about coaching, and that's in the Twitter mentions, in the yes. post-game show phone calls and all of that. Where are you comfortable assigning blame for this game? Is it fair to say – actually, let me, let me say this. Where are you comfortable assigning blame, and you're not allowed to say everywhere except for Patrick Mahomes? I, I want to know who's first in line for a, a, a bowl of blame soup, which is a thing that we're doing now. Sure. If um, if we're going to say absolutely first in line, absolutely first in line, I have to pick one. Yeah. Uh, can I do one and one A? You can you can give out two bowls of blame soup. <laughs> um, I would and oh, this is such a lazy take, and I hate doing this because it's just going to empower people to say things that are wrong. But I'm going to say, oh no, I'm going to say Steve Spagnolo first, and Andy Reid is a very close second. Interesting. Um, there on some of those short yardage runs, the Chiefs literally stacked up one side of the defensive line and just left a hole there, like they were showing a replay. It was like a third and two conversion or something like that. And Romo's like, yeah, just look at this left side of the offensive line just plowing through. And and you look, and it's like they had one defensive lineman and a linebacker there. And the linebacker was lined up three yards off the line of scrimmage. So, yes, those offensive linemen sure did plow through the safety that came down. It was just so yeah. easy. It was the easiest. It was a third or fourth down conversion. They did it at the goal line, too. And now And so that that's part of it. But here's the other part. They did a good job in the in the in the first half. And look, is it Steve Spagnuolo's fault that Juan Thornhill missed a tackle he should have made? No, of course not. That's not his fault. Um, is it his fault Frank Clark dropped the pass? No, that's not his fault. Um, and so that's why, obviously, if I could, I'd blame everyone. But you wouldn't <laughs> let me. But yeah. I assume Spagnuolo makes the decisions on what players play. Hmm. And Pennell, who obviously isn't a world beater, am I saying his yeah. name right? Pennell, Pennell. I- I'm so glad you mentioned this because I I was sort of confused when the inactives came out yesterday, uh, and, and I was yeah. again I was more confused. Like I knew what was going on with Lashawn McCoy. I put it on Twitter. People can go check that out. I had no idea why Mike Pinnell, who had played really well the last two weeks, and is part of the equation. That's so why, like, hey, the Chiefs' defense has like improved in the run game. Um, why, yes. Why, why didn't he play? There, uh, unless there's some injury that they did not acknowledge, or something occurred before Monday between Friday's practice and Mon- and Sunday's game. Like I I, I didn't understand that. Absolutely. That, that's a big thing. Now, again, Pinnell, he's not a world beater. It's not like he's another Derek Nottie out there. But he's a good run defender, and he's a big dude. He's like 6'4", 330, 335. Big guy, good instincts, doesn't overrun plays. And Joey Ivey is more of a penetrating type. They needed more dudes standing firm at the line. Because with, with Henry, you need big guys getting hands on him. You need guys like Nottie and Pennell and, and Jones getting hands on because otherwise he's dragging them. And that that was mystifying to me. It, it, they, there were mystifying decisions that were made. So those, I know it sounds dumb, like having a guy who probably would have only seen like maybe 15 to 20 snaps caused me to name Spagnolo as the biggest culpable player here. But again, when you combine that with some of the coverages and some of the the lack of blitzing. When they did blitz, it was very successful against Tannehill. But for the second week in a row, they kind of eased off on blitzing. Um, Ragland got very few. Sa- how how does Reggie Ragland? Yeah. He ended only- up with, just so you know, he, he ended up with thirty three percent of the snaps, seventeen of them. That was one more snap than Ben Neiman. Ooh. Yeah. How how does that happen? Like I understand personnel issues and stuff, but I mean, are you really? I mean, how is why is Jordan Lucas on the field? This, like this is yeah, my bigger steps. this is my biggest question for for Steve Spagnuolo. Um, mm-hmm. uh, unless now he likes to run a lot of coverages that involve three safeties, and I get that for today's NFL because you like guys with range and ball skills in the back end. Um, unless he decided that. Um, I was trying to think about this last night. Unless unless Steve Spagnuolo felt that, okay, Daniel Sorensen is good 10 yards and in. Like, I can't ask him to cover anybody 15 yards out because it's just, like, we saw it in Green Bay. Like, he doesn't have the closing speed, and he can't chase anybody down. So maybe you make the decision that, okay, well, let's see what Jordan Lucas could do. 
that's that's fine and dandy if he's the third safety. Why is Juan Thornhill not not in the not the deep safety on on all if not the majority of those plays? Um, and yeah, that's right. how the Chiefs gave up their first touchdown. They were dominating Tennessee, and then all of a they sudden, were. Jordan Jordan Lucas is the deep safety, and Charvarius Ward thinks he has help deep middle, and there yeah, was no and help. Everyone's- and everyone's blaming Ward for that. And I mean, I almost lost my mind. And like, I had to, and I'm just, I'm not going to say exactly, pe- for the sake of preserving relationships with people I respect, I didn't lose my mind on Twitter about that. Because I saw people I respect like, oh, Charvarius Ward. I'm like, are you kidding? Look at the coverage. Look what yeah. Lucas did. He thought he had help. Why do you think he was so ticked off after the play? Now, to be fair, you know, you got to make sure you touch the guy down. And thank God he did, although yeah. it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But like... He thought he had help. Why is Jordan Lucas playing deep safety? We established last year that that's not where he's at his best. And why is he on the field? And, I mean, Reggie yeah, Ragland, bar, bar, you bar, know. Right. Barring an injury, why is, why, is, why is he playing those snaps in that particular moment of the game? It, it is questionable yeah. at best. And honestly, I don't know how you can defend it because, again, up until yesterday, there have been no plays where the Chiefs were beat over the top because you had Juan Thornhill and, and and Tyron Matthew as the deep safeties, no matter if, you know, obviously they rotated based on formation, based on scheme, but like, and at no point this season had any team completed a pass quite like that until you know, Jordan Lucas was the one playing deep safety and completely lost. Even though even, even though the even the funny thing about this is if you look at the route, and again, the L22 is not out yet, and I, and I hope you clip this out, Seth, but like if you look at the route based on my vantage point from the press box, the route is going towards Jordan Lucas. Like it should be more of a 50-50 ball, but I, I, he, I don't know if he got lost in the sun um, or if he just misplaced it or mistimed it, but that route is it going like towards— breaking. It looked the, like he was breaking on a shallower route. Yeah, and, and and so that route is going basically into what you would assume is Jordan Lucas's coverage area, and he just whiffed. Yeah. Well, we're all a little sad. Maybe you want to go ahead and take a sick day. Maybe just get home as soon as possible tonight. Put your feet up. Maybe ignore Monday Night Football. Ignore football altogether. Just get on your phone. Order food from somewhere other than just your standard delivery places. Watch uh, watch a rom-com, play a video game. I don't know. Whatever it is that gets you through your Monday night. You can do that now with DoorDash. You don't have to wait on any of those, again, like normal delivery places. Y- your options aren't now just this pizza place or that pizza place. Although, there are pizza places if you're craving pizza. I was craving pizza last night. Seth tweeted about how he was ordering just all the breadsticks in the world because he was that sad after the Chiefs lost to the Titans. But no matter what it is that you're looking for in your food life being brought straight to your home, do it with DoorDash. They connect you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering super easy. You can open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Time. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code TIME. Don't forget, that's promo code TIME for $5 off your first order at DoorDash. Well, since Seth came out and said that she should fire Steve Spagnuolo, I guess we'll say that was our conversation about the defense. <laughs> I, I had that planned for the third unit that we were going to discuss, but that that's okay. We're there on it. Is there something else on, defensively that, that went they went wrong that we haven't covered yet. I mean, Seth, you mentioned that the blitzing was limited for the second week in a row, but last week it worked out fine. Um, you, we have these personnel questions where Reggie Ragland may have been the most confusing of, of all of these for me. We're like, there are 52 defensive snaps. Reggie Ragland played 17. Ben Neiman played 16. Um, Joey Ivey played 19. Colin Saunders played 13. Jordan Lucas only ended up playing 10 snaps, but it felt like those were happening pretty early on. Like whenever you look at, at all of these all of these questionable snap numbers, so like I can like the starters from Passigno up. Passigno, Clark, Jones, Breland, Thornhill, Matthew Ward played huge chunks. Anthony Hitchens is only out there for 69% of the snaps, 36 out of 52. Um, then Dan Sorensen was out there for 34 of 52. Derek Nadi only on the field for 28 snaps, a little over half. Damian Wilson, a little over half, 27 snaps. All of that is really strange. 
Like I am, I, I do find all of that really, really odd specific for this matchup and something that, that Frank Clark said that, that we, we touched on the idea that they got out physical and surprised by the physicality of Ryan Tannehill uh, for all of the Steve Spagnuolo and Chiefs defensive optimism that I was bathing in last week. Uh, it, it went away. He over tinkered. He over tinkered. Last week, mm. we were marveling, hey, man, Spagnolo is willing to change things up. And here you mm-hmm. saw the flip side of a guy who's willing to adjust is sometimes tinkerers. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if either of your dads was a tinkerer. You know, <laughs> you have you have you have my, something. Da- my dad doesn't really tinker. Okay, you've got like some project that's going pretty well. Some let's say let's say a simple thing like a cabinet that you're assembling. Is my dad going to be mad for saying he's not a tinkerer? Let me rethink that. Danielle, cut that out. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, everything's going okay. It looks all right. You're mostly following the directions. And then he goes, hey, you know what? You know what might make this better? Now, I'm not saying this is my dad because my dad's very capable and also a listener. Um, <laughs> but, you know. My dad he, either is or isn't a tinkerer, whatever he wants him to, himself to do. Sure, That's sure. my official stance. Uh, but, you know, you, we all know people that are tinkerers, right? It's like, you know what would make this actually better is if we hot glued another shelf in the middle of it, you know, or something weird, right? <laughs> right? You know, we ought to do this. And you just tinker one too many times. And that's what I see. I see tinkering. You take out Pinnell. Derek Nadi playing not that many snaps against against the Titans? Like, yeah. it's, 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 it's weird. It's weird. And some things got fixed that weren't broke. I understand the linebackers aren't yeah. good in coverage, but they had found ways to compensate. And instead of sticking with those ways of compensating, they were like, well, maybe we should try this. And it was a disaster. It's all a disaster. Everything's a disaster. I'm just sort of sitting here in the disaster. I forgot I had to talk next. Uh, two, two thoughts here. Uh, my dad was a professional tinker for many years as an architect because – all those guys are asked to do is, hey, what, what, but where should we put the door? Hey, actually, <laughs> what if the ceiling was higher? Secondly, <laughs> let's just knock off that entire wall. So, yeah, my dad was a professional tinkerer. Two. Uh, <laughs> wow. Humble um, brag here. Look at <laughs> the uh, as you were as you were explaining that, I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, that yeah. checks out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then the, the second shelf. point is. They had like. Let's remind ourselves, the Titans have no timeouts. It's about a minute, about a minute. Let's just, let's just say roughly a minute because of the, they had to expend their timeouts um, to obviously stop the, the, the clock. And, you know, they have to go 61 yards, fellas. Like, they have no timeouts, and they have to go 61 yards, more than half the length of the field. Their quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, Nate. It could have happened in a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> no, it's Ryan Damn. Tannehill. Damn. So Steve Spagnuolo, I think, wisely blitzes on the first play. Just just to see, like, can we rattle him? Um, the blitz does not get there, unfortunately. It was the one time it really didn't affect Ryan Tannehill, which is shocking. And he scrambles for 16 yards. And then he he carries. He carries, um, yeah. basically, Daniel Sorensen for four yards. Uh, it's it's absurd. Um, the next play, he picks on Daniel Sorensen in coverage, which gets him, I think, another eighteen to twenty. For all the goodness ever shot at Fitton had done in that game, and again, he's he's stacked up productive plays after productive plays, and the only incompletion on that four play drive was Rashad Fitton sort of saving a touchdown, and then the next play, they sort of it was it was a very nice slithery you know sort of post route. Uh, from Adam Humphreys, who got free from Rashad Fitton for like half a step. And then he just basically, I don't know, bulldozed three Chiefs into the end zone. So th- they got they got beat in such a way that is just crazy. And here's where I have, here's where the list of my criticism comes down. Coach, I understand, like, for Big Red, I understand that you made Want to call a timeout because your dudes look gassed. Let me just remind them, it don't matter. <laughs> like You have a better nope. chance of not calling a timeout before the two-point conversion because the Titans are 
So it, not only are the Titans celebrating because they're like, oh, my God, how do we just score a touchdown it, like from a 61-yard spot with, like, no timeouts left? They're scrambling, and they're, they're, they're rushing to get, to get ready for the play snap for the two-point conversion. In essence, you call a timeout because your defense is allegedly gassed, but, like, now you've given an advantage to the Titans because then they can find the one play that they know will work. And guess what? Juan Thornhill got trucked by Ryan Tannehill. Mm -hmm. And so you essentially wasted a timeout when the offense was just as frazzled or just as sort of they they were going at a pace that they weren't comfortable with because... Oh my God, we got to run too. Okay, who's the personnel group? Okay, uh, what, what what play are we running again? Tell me again. Tell me what the play is. Okay, okay. Then I got to transfer the play to my fellas. We got to all get lined up. The play clock's running down. And like you call a timeout and it's like, one, even if they get the two-point conversion, which they did, it the timeout does you nothing because that should be saved on offense because all you need, Andy Reid, is three points, regardless of if it's a game winner or a tie game situation that will get you to overtime. Right. I, I, I just didn't, for all the clock management issues and all the things that I have to sort of bend to say, well, you know, his clock management is not as bad as you think it was in Philly. Like, it's actually statistically improved in Kansas City. I, I can't do that here. <laughs> that can't. was weird. I can't, I can't understand why you call a timeout when their offense is just as confused right. and trying to rush and trying to get in the correct spot as you are because, yeah, they scored a touchdown, and the place is going insane. Like, why are you helping them calm down, get collected, and then find the right play to exploit your rookie safety who has to, you know, tackle a man um, that he isn't capable of tackling at this point? So right. I just don't understand. I, that is I, – I, I think, the, I think the, the, the bowl of soup, Josh, that I would give is front yes. and center to Andy Reid because at no point in this game – once you got to the two-minute warning, should you have lost? It, it's just, yeah. it is, and I, I'm speaking on behalf of fans because I know that there were a lot of fans who, who said who said to me either in the comments section of my story or on Twitter, like, well, why does he keep saying that it's his responsibility and yet we're still seeing a sloppy team? We're still seeing, you know, uncharacteristic turnovers, which are actually becoming characteristic, and questionable decision-making late in game still. This is year 21 of Andy Reid, y'all. <laughs> I, I don't know how much is going to change unless the team's up by ten in all the playoff games. I right. I I, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to offer you other than Damian Williams <laughs> has to get that ball regardless of Patrick Mahomes and because he got eight rushing yards on the last two plays and you don't need to call a timeout because you need to save that timeout for Patrick Mahomes because as we all saw he can lead you down the field if you have an extra timeout maybe you could take one more deep shot in the middle of the field and you can make the field goal attempt easier. For Harrison Bucker, these are right. just these are just observations, and my bowl of soup is is only to it's it's really only to Andy Reid. Like for all the issues Steve Spagnuolo had, and he had plenty, I still think Andy Reid just just bungled the hell out of the last two minutes. Like I just I I can't see it any other way than dog. What are you doing? Like. <laughs> Why are you having your quarterback roll out on third and two that gives you a five yard loss? You should right. be you, the play should only go forward, or it should only yeah. meet the line of scrimmage at worst. I mean, or it should have more could, than one option. Right. Thank you. Yes. Okay. I've been sitting here going. All right. So here's the thing. For, that was Seth. I mean, you said it. So I'll let you actually talk about it. But God, the thing with that play <laughs> that frustrates me so much. Is it's not even that it wasn't just a run after Damian Williams picked up eight yards on two carries, whatever. Like, because here's the thing, man. I know the Titans knew it was coming, and they knew it was coming the first two times. Whatever. But when Patrick Mahomes is out there, you always think, well, maybe they won't run it, and then maybe this will be a touchdown. But and which I didn't. They needed. They needed two yards. The thing that was infuriating there that I didn't even realize in real time. Because I I don't I mean I had my brain short circuited I guess I blacked out. <laughs> the play was hey Patrick you and Blake Bell run that way that's the play. What and and, and what? to be fair why this 
offense, this offense has so many, this offense has so many weapons. It's, it's Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and then, and then the guys out of the backfield. And the whole point of this offense is how many options you always have. And I know the logic of that play is, well, they're going to be so busy with all those other guys. They didn't have to worry about those other guys because they were all going the other direction or not going out at all. Like, Damian Williams out of the backfield probably would have picked up that first down, catching the ball going left. But Patrick yep. Mahomes was sprinting right because yep. it was a play drawn up for Blake Bell. Yep. And it wasn't, it wasn't just Blake Bell because he was open, which is when Blake Bell was fine. It was designed for that. I That blew my mind. <laughs> so here's, here's the big thing. And I actually, so I had a long conversation with Brendan last night, our editor for people who need a peek behind the scenes. Awesome, dude. And I was like, I might need to write about Andy Reid tonight or I'm going to lose sleep. And he was like, well, hey, I'll never fight you on writing two articles, you know, whatever. And I still might. <laughs> because here's here's the big thing. And I, again, I may need to write about this. Otherwise, it's just going to keep me up. I'm looking at the the plays, you know, the play-by-play thing here on mm-hmm. Pro Football Reference. And here's the one thing. And this is where it's such a funny comedy of errors in, like, the sickest way possible. Because on on third and – or second and eight with three minutes and 30 seconds left to go – when the Chiefs, it was their last field goal drive, right? And they were up mm-hmm. and things were looking good. They were driving. They threw a short pass to Tyreek Hill that he dropped, right? Yes. And, and that, that would have only gained him like two or three yards. Although with Hill, you never know, right? He likes to bounce off guys and whatever. But let's say it only and gains three yards. my God, Tyreek Hill, Tyree Hill was excellent to be at the first Oh, yeah, he played game. great. We're never going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it, but he was great. Yeah, he was great. He was awesome. He did drop a couple of passes that he that he started sure to run before he caught. And this one is crucial because here's the thing. It stopped the clock with 3.30 left. If he catches that, even if only gains him two or three yards, that winds the clock down to about two minutes and 50 seconds. Which, by the way, it didn't go back to that until the, the Titans had had the ball for mm-hmm. a full extra two plays. That is a huge 30 seconds at that point in the game. Actually, more like 40 seconds because the or 45 because the time it takes the play to go. And then the time, you know what I mean? Then you get the 40 seconds of the clock. That's an incredible amount of time. And so that's where it's like, oh, my goodness. But here's the problem. To go back to Andy Reid, people can say, well, he put the ball in the hands of the MVP on third down. The problem is, yes, the ball was technically in Patrick Mahomes' hands. But it wasn't really in his hands any more so than it would have yeah. been in the hands of a Ryan Tannehill because it was yep. a design play that only had yep. one chance to succeed. And you you removed all other options. What you do, look, if you want to put the ball in the MVP's hands, then what you do is you draw up a play that provides him options and say, Pat, yes. figure it yep. out. You got this. Yep. You know, here's, we're going to run a few different route combos. You know, on that side, we're going to run a man beater. On this side, we're going to run a zone beater. We're going to have, you know, Williams chip and then leak out of the backfield. And Pat, you got this. You're going to have five options. Find the best one. And then also, by the way, you know, hey, Travis Kelsey, we need two yards. Hey, wait, you're the best tight end in the NFL at converting these types of plays, aren't you? By like a country mile. And And who who did they count on last week in the game-winning drive against the Minnesota Vikings? It was Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. Yeah, and it, hey, what do you know? It worked. So that's the that's my biggest problem and what I might have to write about because I can already feel myself losing sleep tonight if I don't. I, he didn't, he, he really, in a way, he took the power away from his MVP. He answered his worst instincts in that moment. Was it a good design? It was a good design? Absolutely. Was it the type of the design that had worked previously in the game? Yes, it was. But you got to start to trust the MVP and the best receiving group in the NFL more than you trust your design rollout screen to Blake Bell. It's just absurd. If you play with a ran for Alex Smith. It's 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 just yeah. that exact situation with Alex Smith. It would be, hey, you're mobile, roll out right. Here's your one option. Just hit this, and we're gonna be good. And then the play falls apart. You slide to stay in bounds and. Like again, I don't. I don't think that we're doing we're doing the world too many favors, personally, by not pointing out that the defense had multiple chances to oh, yeah. end this football game. So many. But whenever you're the Chiefs' offense, you have the higher expectations. Like yep. you, you do need to try to end the game with the ball in your hands, 
whenever you're the Chiefs because the defense can still implode, I guess, even though I kind of thought we might be passing. Yeah. The the one guy that I want people to to really understand because we mentioned him in Friday's podcast. The idea that Eric Bieniemy gets behind a podium and and is just great at saying uh, cliches. Um, watch, I I, sh- I, pl- I clip the play, and you can see Eric Bieniemy, and I and I let the play say, uh, let the clip play out so that you can see his reaction on the sideline. <laughs> That's the real Eric Bieniemy, y'all. The idea yeah. that he knows exactly what you're saying, Josh. He knows the moment Patrick Mahomes slides, they basically lost the game because. Even the coaches understand the best side of the football for our team is on offense. Who's responsible for winning the majority of these games moving forward, particularly as we as we enter November, December, and January? It's the offense. Eric Bieniemy understood the play call. Probably understands that Andy Reid was the one that called it. Probably as a former running back, understands that like this. Better work. It's better work. <laughs> this, yep. Or it's going to break yep. Damian Williams. This better work. And when he, when you see Patrick Mahomes slide, just go on theathletic.com, watch the clip. It's in the middle of, middle of my article. Watch Eric Bieniemy's reaction. Because I looked at it several times. And you never get to talk to the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator after games. Usually it's just the head coach unless something really catastrophe happens. But that was his, that was his one chance to sort of let everybody know that – we 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 you know what we effed up completely and um i i just thought that that was such a such a pivotal moment in the season where the head coach is standing right next to the offensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator is like i i can't believe we just we just screwed that up darn he yelled on the sidelines gosh darn it all i believe is what it what the what the field mic picked up mhm it's frustrating, man. And we haven't even really talked about the special teams. So, Seth, like, this is what you went in on first. I mean, we've talked about the special teams in, in moments throughout the show this year because it has been below average. It has caused problems. It's caused way more problems than it's solved. And it's been Dave Tobe's unit. Like, this is supposed to be one of the secret weapons of the Chiefs. And it has been uh, a not-so-secret detriment. So, I mean, the, the miscues throughout the special teams, you can start with a missed extra point. You can go to the botched field goal and the blocked field goal. By the way, I will also add, we're not going to have time to dig into it completely. On the Andy Reid front, the number of times that they ended up kicking the ball on third and two or third and one, or excuse me, fourth and two or fourth and one, um, and maybe a fourth and three, I think there were three different times where they went for, for kicks in those situations. Just go get your two yards. Like, the math shows that that's the right thing. And that's never going to be happening for Andy Reid, I'm sure. He's never going to be Harbaugh in terms of, like, the math says to do this. But, God, that frustrates me because the math says to do that. And you have this offense and you have these chances to put the game away. You don't have to settle for all these field goals even early in the game. That field goal did not end up working out in the Chiefs' favor. And all the math said that would end up being the case. But they never do it anyway. Yeah, they did it They did um, it three times, Josh. Uh, fourth and two. I, it's just. Uh, fourth and three. Fourth and two. And, and these are all inside I mean, Tennessee's the, 25-yard line, I believe. Yeah, but from the 25 or further in. Uh, from the 25-yard line in the third quarter, fourth and two. Um, from the 20 uh, – excuse me, let me go back forward uh, here. But, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So, yeah, fourth and two from Tennessee's it's 25. It's infuriating. Uh, fourth and three from, 20, uh, from the Titans' 23-yard line. And then fourth of two – Fourth and two, excuse me, from the Titans' twelve-yard line. These are not even; these aren't even mathematically arguable. Like those are the those are the situations that you go for on fourth down whenever you have what is supposed to be the best offense in football and an offense that can always be trusted to pick up a few point a few yards because those yards turn immediately into points and it's mind-boggling. Anyway, that's not really the that's not really on the special teams. That's another Andy Reid thing. Um, that I guess is just going to be everything from now on. But Seth, when you went to specifically look at the special teams, why did you want to start there? Because the special teams, uh, in a nutshell, I know we got to wrap up pretty soon, so I'll try to keep it to a minute or less, because the special teams has been unbelievably awesome during Dave Taub's entire tenure in Kansas City. Um, if you look at like their DVOA or something like that, I mean, they're like, you know, first, third. I think they have one year they were ninth, but everything else, they're they're either first, second, or third. 
They've consistently made plays that have helped the Chiefs win close games. There's a lot of hidden yardage in special teams. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because people, like, they don't really recognize what a big difference it makes to have great coverage on punts versus gaining consistently 15 yards on punt returns. You know, that 15-yard swing. But they recognize how important a 15-yard pass play is, right? Right. It, yeah. They used to have hidden yardage throughout games, 15 yards here, 10 yards there, that kind of thing. And they never made mistakes. Never. And that's all but vanished this year for the most part. And in fact, they're losing yards. And so I wrote about that. And you can look at the specific plays. They're, they're losing yards now. They're not getting, and they're not getting those big plays that they used to. And instead, they're getting big plays the other way. Like, the coverage is still very good. But they are no longer making plays. In fact, they're making crucial mistakes, penalties, fumbles, not blocking guys, which, yeah, okay, well, he got a great jump. Yes, he sure did, but you got to freaking block him. Like, this isn't and hard. And also the cadence yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, change I didn't your even snap really count. think about that. Yeah, change yeah. your snap count that, during the game. And that's directly coaching. I mean, that, yeah, that that's is a coaching directly. decision, right? That's directly coaching. Um, you know, the Winchester, Colquitt, all that thing, they decided it's mostly Winchester's fault. That's still, as a coach, hey, y'all know what you're doing, right? I mean, this is not, this, when you have when you do special teams, you're only doing like 15 to 20 plays in a game. There's no reason you can't overly prepare your guys for each play. And so... He's, 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 he's earned the benefit of a doubt, right? I mean, special teams has been one of the best in the league for years. But that's something they need to get under control because they have, every year, have had a huge advantage. And people don't think special teams is a huge advantage. It absolutely is. If you are much better in special teams, that's a big advantage every game. And it swings close games. They've gone from that to actually being at a disadvantage yeah. in some games. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's a big deal, and I got to tell you, a couple of these really incredibly close losses that they've had, and pretty much every loss they've had for the last like three years has been really close. A special teams play can swing that one way or another, yeah. and so yep. that it's concerning because it's a unit that was so awesome in previous years, and this year I don't know what's going on. I don't know if if Taub has extra responsibilities. I know his title changed, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know what yeah, it he's is. The, he's the associate head coach. Yeah, yes, he is. And, he's basically number two. Uh, and, he's even if you look at the depth chart, it's um, I'm coaching. It's Andy Reid, Dave Tobe, then it's Eric Bieniemy and Steve Spagnuolo, kind of on the same uh, sort of tier. Yeah, and they they need to figure that out because the special teams is much worse this year, and maybe he needs to not be divvying up his attention because. They need the special teams to be very, very good because the defense clearly is still a work in progress and you need to be able to win in two phases of the game. So let me ask you both this kind of on the way out because whatever path we've taken, I think we've covered most of the things that we needed to talk about. If there's anything that it's not, you can loop this into your last answer here. But we've talked about all these things where in every unit there were some atrocious mistakes and certainly no big plays of overcoming the the holes they've dug themselves into. So now what? What what's different the rest of the season? What would you change? Like you can you can assign blame to Andy Reid or Seth in your case you can assign blame to really the whole coaching staff, every everybody. Um you can look at the fumble and the miscues on uh, special teams and the decisions to kick on fourth and short and all that. You can you can Go through the whole laundry list that we just slowly checked off over the course of the last hour. What now? Listen to me very carefully, y'all. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I want us to have fun for the remainder of this year. <laughs> My speech to everybody is get the one seat out your mind. In fact, don't even think about the two seat anymore. That is over. The only thing that matters moving forward now is staying healthy, which the Chiefs have very little of that to control, but you hope that guys get healthy as we get closer to the end of the season. And the only thing that matters now is the division. The only thing that is really guaranteed, I think, moving forward is the idea that the Oakland Raiders, and this is weird to say, but the Oakland Raiders are improving. They are coming. Their schedule is easier than yours. That game on December 1st is now critical. 
regardless of what happens next week in Mexico City, and regardless of what the Raiders do before that sort of, that that pivotal meeting on December first, the division is the only thing that matters. If I were the coach, I would sit everybody down and say, the only thing that matters now is the division. Getting improving improving to the point where the the running backs aren't fumbling the ball, that massively swings games. Get healthier, win the division. The only thing that's really guaranteed for Chiefs fans, I believe, is a home playoff game, probably against the Buffalo Bills. Like you can just mark that on your calendar for the first weekend of January, Saturday afternoon, ESPN. Everything after that, say the Chiefs win that home playoff game. Everything after that is basically a bonus. Like, the season to this point has been ruined to a lot of people's expectations. And I know that is frustrating. But the only thing that they have to look forward to now is winning the AFC West, guaranteeing yourself at least a home playoff game. And you hope by that point, Patrick Mahomes is as healthy as he can ever be. And that offense is clicking and peaking at sort of the right time. Outside of that, I don't think... Last season was a magical carpet ride. That is not occurring this season. And this time, you're going to have to win road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. But they got bigger issues before you even get to that point. Seth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... It's it's a testament. You know, seasons like what's happening currently with all the injuries, and it has been a cluster of injuries... And they're finally getting healthy. So we'll see where they are. Because you know what? If they, like, say they win their next five games, people are going to be like, wow, you know, good thing they lost that game and really galvanized them. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But this this stretch that they're currently going through, these crazy events that they're going through, the injuries, all this, is why the next time people are screaming at me when I'm talking about them going all in to trade for a certain player and, like, go all in on a year where things seem to be coming together, that's why. Nothing is guaranteed in the NFL, even when you have the best quarterback in the league. You, nothing's guaranteed. Windows are temporary. That's why, oh, man, I'm going to just pour just a gallon of salt onto a wound. Is this about Marcus Peters having a pick six again yesterday? Because that could be my thing. I could not possibly care less about Marcus Peters. Um, Darn. I no. was hoping I got that one right. No. Is that, it about Jalen <laughs> Ramsey? No, I honestly, seriously, there's lots, of, there's lots of former Chiefs that are having success around the league. I'm not obsessed with one dude. Um, okay. What I would say is this. That's why D Ford lining up two feet mm. off sides hurt yep. so much. Because last yep. year, they, they, I think they beat that Rams team in the Super Bowl. They, they yeah. had it. They had it. Yeah, especially with this, especially with the with the the fact that you played them earlier in the year and you sort of knew yep. their offensive scheme yep. at that point. And so that's that to me is the part that that's that's hurting right now is this is why I'm always pushing for let's just go all in. Oh, but what about three years from now? Who cares? Who cares? Because it's not because oh I want to blow everything up, but it's because windows are so fragile in the NFL and they close quickly. And so, like Nate said, last year was kind of a magic carpet ride. This year, it might be a tougher road. It's not too late for them to put it together by any means because it's a more talented team than they had last year. But mm-hmm. it's going to be a tough road. And I also, if you, even, you start looking ahead, I just, I just saw a picture on my screen here of Chris Jones. And like, oh, man, imagine this defense without Chris Jones again. That doesn't sound like much fun. Oh, my but that's God. The, you start looking ahead, and now I've made Seth very, very, very sad. And I'm sorry, Seth. Also, by the way, whenever the uh, – Whenever the whenever the Chiefs play the Raiders, the the Raiders are going to the Raiders are going to be seven and four because uh, their next two games are against the Bengals and Jets. So why does everyone yeah. else get to play the Bengals and the Jets? <laughs> <laughs> it's called it's called parody, Seth. Yeah. They, yeah. The, the 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 schedule the schedule is dictated on what you Feels did last like year. Feels more like parody. And... Am I right? <laughs> Josh, make us feel better. <laughs> No, I can't. I can tell you there's other podcasts you can listen to. If you're wondering about Mitch Schwartz's uh, snap streak ending or what on earth is going around the NFL in general, you can listen to Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. It'll make you a smarter football fan. You can learn things twice a week from former offensive lineman and current brother of uh, Chiefs offensive lineman Mitch Schwartz, Jeff Schwartz, as he goes through everything happening in the league and uh, starts to, de- to decode some things that I'm sure lots of people miss going throughout uh, a week of the NFL. So you can go check that out. Also, you can follow all three of us on Twitter. And if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, because this is our free episode, do that now, and uh, you can uh, you can get our Friday episodes and read all of the stuff 
that goes up on the athletic. Nate's got his game, uh, his locker room uh, vibe piece up there right now. The locker room sadness. You can read that there now. Seth has his review of the special teams. I'll have a column go up tomorrow unless my hands fall off because that's just kind of how things are going right now around anything with the Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, no, Nate, I'll say you make us all feel better somehow. <laughs> I just want to do a, 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 a simple shout out and let's pour one out for Mitchell Schwartz's remarkable consecutive mm-hmm. snap streak. Because that, that as a human being made me sad. And you could tell the entire team sort of was like, no, no, no. Uh-huh. He, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's remarkable that he played almost 8,000 snaps consecutively. Yeah. In the NFL, as a right tackle, going up against the most maniacal, destructive human beings on this planet. Like, it's insane. So I just, again, just want to pour one out for a streak that really, I gl- I'm glad it got the acknowledgement it did during yesterday's game and around the league where you're just like, wait, what? Like, Mitchell Schwartz missed a snap. Mm-hmm. And we sort of asked him in the locker room, and he's like, yeah, it was kind of odd. I was watching football instead of playing it. <laughs> it's just like, huh, you could do that on the sidelines? <laughs> I didn't even know. Um, so yeah, just just a thing of he's always a stand up guy. He always answers every question after the game or after practice. Um, just Mitchell Schwartz, eight thousand, almost eight thousand consecutive snaps. That is just that is insane. So I, I just hope I just wanted to acknowledge that because like people need to understand how hard it is to play this game to the degree that he plays it at at the level of consistency that he's found while also never missing a snap until yesterday where he got a, he got rolled up on on his right ankle. So. Um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, uh, I guess I'll start looking for my passport and getting ready for Mexico City because <laughs> that's a big game now. Yeah, and also, uh, just go ahead and cancel your flight to Miami in February, I guess. Just uh, see if you can get your deposit back, Nate. Yep. Is that too uh, dark too soon? Looking, looking, looking at that as we speak. 